Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and I have the pleasure of sitting with Mr. Lenny Jacobson of the show Big Time in Hollywood, Florida, I, Comedy Central. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. I'm a big fan of the show. I've seen the first three episodes. I have so many questions. I guess my, my first... Wednesdays on Comedy Central at 10.30. That, I can take that question off. Um, what? So how did you get involved with the show in the first place? Uh, you know what? It, there, I don't have a great story for this. It's. I mean, it is a great story. I didn't know Alex and Dan, Alex and Fanger, Dan Champ. They created the series uh, with Red Hour and Comedy Central. I didn't know them. They're, they're NYU boys, and um, I know friends of theirs, which is... Pretty much everyone now. The NYU is taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got a regular, you know, email from my agent uh, about an audition for, you know, it was July uh, for a pilot for Comedy Central. So, you know, I read the audition sides and and I really dug it right away. You know, as soon as um, you know the first the dinner scene of the pilot. Uh, for those listening, uh, it's a our show is about two. Um, two brothers who are filmmakers in Hollywood, Florida, and they are delusionally uh, fixated on the fact that they are fantastic at making film (laughs) and they are focused on making their greatness and they are absolutely horrible. Uh, They couldn't be further away from Hollywood um, talent-wise or location-wise if they tried. So basically, um, and then our parents... You know, tell us it's time to move out. Very, very stepbrotherish. Uh, but by the end of the episode, it goes very much in a different direction than <laughs> stepbrothers. It gets very dark. So I had read that scene, and I, uh, I was like, "Wow, this is really good. I loved it." You know, he tells the dad to f off. Um, that was al- that's always fun when you get tell your parents to go f themselves. Can we swear in this? Yeah. Tell him to go f- himself. <laughs> um, and so I just, you know, I, 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 I practiced the scene, went in, read it, loved it, and then came back again, read again, this time with Alex, because uh, he was in the room because he's a producer as well. And we just had a nice little chemistry and stuff, and then I did, went in a third time again, and I was like, what do you, what the f*** do you guys want? I mean, just give me the damn job. And it was just little things. We went over to the, the arc of the season, and, and they need, I play Ben, the older, but probably not as wise or... Uh, aggressive of the two brothers, but uh, they just needed to, to be that Ben could at some day go off on his own if he needed to. So we redid it, and then I got the job. So and it it, re- it was a really a quick connection with Alex and Dan. They are such good guys and so passionate about it, but yet also so giving and so free to be like, well, how, what do you? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And we started rehearsing within that week, and then John Bass came in who plays Dell our kind of uh, slightly touched best friend um, who sees the world in different colors than everyone else. Um, and we just started hanging out, you know, and digging into the script and fooling around with it. And that's kind of how the whole process began. We started shooting in uh, early August. Um, and that's it, man. It's been the best job I've ever had. It's been great. And that was the, the craziest thing to me is, you know, I, I was telling you before, I saw the first episode before I knew anything about it. Yeah. Loved it. Went to uh, that screening. Uh, what's it, what'd you say? Uh, AV Club? AV yeah. Club did a screening here in New York. Uh, this, whenever this airs, it'll be uh, in uh, March. I had thought that you guys were actually, if not brothers, both the creative minds behind the show. 
Oh, people, Alex and I. Yeah. Thanks, man. Is that something people are thinking? A lot of people assume that I am the one who wrote it with them just because of our chemistry or the fact right. that we seem like we yeah. know each other for a while. I, I, For me, I take... Uh, that's a huge compliment because I watch a ton of television and movies and stuff, and I really wanted it to seem like... First of all, we have to seem like we're brothers, but then also, if you see the show, we're the only two people in our lives that we care about at mm -hmm. all. We are oblivious to everything else. We kind of move in a one direction only and leave whatever... Whatever gets in our way ends up in our wake. Right. Basically, you know, we we have no real care for anything else in the world except for our passion to make amazing film. Um, so I feel like we're we're brothers, but we're also like completely codependent, almost to an unhealthy uh, unhealthyness uh, that would you know you'd only see in brothers that probably don't have a lot of other friends, probably don't spend a lot of time with anyone else. I don't even think we, we – we've discussed our backstory, too. I, we probably haven't had girlfriends um, because it, it would never work. They would they would be taking up our time when we could be making film. <laughs> right. Um, and, again, we are oblivious and unaware of the fact that we are mediocre to to horrible at this at, their, at our careers. So in order for Alex and I to do that, we um, – you know, spending time together help, but we also just kind of got into a zone where we feel like brothers. We kind of fight like brothers. Uh, I am uh, older than him. Uh, he would think he's smarter than I am. He's definitely a bigger asshole than I am. I have my qualities, but I think maybe I even I balance us out as as do does Ben to Jack. So, and then when you see Dell, John Bass, when we we just all started hanging out and. A rhythm came, even with Stephen Tobolowski, who plays our dad, and Kathy Baker, who plays our mom. It feels like a real family. You know, we have this genuine love for each other that helps when you're uh, playing roles to be comfortable with each other and to have a nice feeling. And so I take that as such a huge compliment when people are like, have you and Alex known each other for a long time? No. It seems that, yeah. About a year. Did you create the show with him? No. That's Dan Shemp. They uh, have been roommates for since college. They were roommates in college, and they just started working together. So, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that that is a – because to me that's important. If I watch this and, and you didn't get a good brotherly vibe from it, mm -hmm. this this sick, you know, kind of uh, feeling that these two are so attached at the hip that it's, it's, it's not even healthy uh, – then I would notice that and be like, uh, I'm not buying that relationship. But I think people definitely buy the relationship, which which is great. And over time, we've kind of become more and more like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll pick at each other the same way. or we, we, we make jokes all the time that we wanted to start rumors that the two of us actually didn't get along and it was just a working relationship and we actually hated each other. And, like, we should leak that to the <laughs> press and the press that we don't have, but whatever. So yeah, I, that that's pretty great. I like that that comes off, uh, and I think you'll see it more as the season goes on because they do go through a lot together, and there are some points where maybe Jack and Ben have to kind of find their way without each other, and um, it has kind of a cool. Uh, the the great thing about the show is it's it's very dark. Uh, first of all, it's the first serialized comedy for Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. So it, it follows one plot line the entire season. Every episode moves from one to the next. Uh, we call it slapstick drama. Mm -hmm. 
That's what Alex likes to refer to it as, where it's basically kind of like the Three Stooges meets Breaking Bad. Uh, there's huge things that happen, and instead of like each episode resets, it, the consequences are felt. The whatever the way the pilot ends, which is a very dramatic twist, uh, dark dramatic dramatic twist, is that lingers throughout the entire season up into the finale. So I mean, you've seen the first three. Um, yeah, we're not getting away with anything that happens. The, it, the repercussions are going to continue uh, over and over. And I think Jack and Ben and Dell um, won't take responsibility for that and then try to handle it in the way they would see if it was in a film or a movie. That's where we get kind of a very cinematic feel to the series. You know, we definitely pay homage to a lot of, like Dan and Alex are big fans of different genres and different TV shows and movies. So you'll get some uh, some Breaking Bad feel or Usual Suspects or something Tarantino would do or Shawshank Redemption or even uh, we watched something the other night and I was like, I leaned over to Dan and I was like, this feels like Silence of the Lambs. Just one little bit, one little piece of music, one little way he shot something or Heat or Miami Vice. So I love that. If you're someone who loves like film and cinema and and television and um everything today i feel like you're, are these dramas where you got to tune in every week to see what happens then this is the show for you you know and it was it, correct me if i'm wrong but like a lot of the it seems you guys weren't on the cc studios thing you jumped straight into the series right we oh well red hour took the show on first right and then they pitched it to some different networks or you know well comedy central has like they a have their web own yeah, Man, no, we didn't do that. That's they, pretty huge. That's like that's kind of awesome. Well, I think that's having Red Hour that yeah. kind of like my friend Jillian Bell is doing Idiot Sitter, uh-huh. which was web uh, yeah. content. She's she's great. The it's show awesome. is great. They did six episodes um, last year, uh, you know, five or six minute web series, and then they wanted them to do a second. And Jillian and Charlotte, her writing partner, were kind of like, ah, I think we we want to kind of do it as a full, you know, episodic mm-hmm. and. Um, they pitched it to them, so it came. That came in house, I guess you're saying. With Red Hour, you know, it's really nice having them in our corner because they kind of uh, put it out there for Dan and Alex to be able to do the show exactly how they want, to run the show, to direct, to produce, or else it wouldn't have that same feel. And mm-hmm. they're doing the same thing with another period, which will be coming out in July or August, I think, which is another Comedy Central show produced by Red Hour with uh, Natasha Leggero and Ricky Lindholm from Garfunkel Notes. Mm. And it's like nineteen uh, early 1900s uh, Downton Abbey style meets the Kardashians, where they want to be celebrities. It's like a reality show uh, meets Downton Abbey. And it's a mess, and it's ugly, and it's got gr- a great cast. Again, Red Hour is just doing such great work right now. You know, They're giving young writers or people who want to make their own content the ability to do it on television and finding them networks to work with so yeah that made a big difference we but comedy central is very much a, a part of our team you know uh they've been great kent alterman who runs it like he's a comedy guy mm-hmm. so he keeps his hands off a little bit and if he gives you any input and stuff it's in a direction to just make it funnier you know i think that was his whole goal when he took over comedy central was to 
to make it a network where people could come in and make good content. And they, they've been on fire, you know, Key and Peele and Amy Schumer and Broad City and Workaholics, uh, all shows that I love. And then now we are the first serialized show. So that's another uh, bit of, you know, reaching out. And I think they were nervous about it, too. I think a lot of people, when they pitch to Southern Networks, are like, eh, we don't know if a serialized, serialized comedy is going to work unless it's, you know, a real dark dramedy like uh, on Showtime or HBO. And they took a chance, and uh, so far, so good. Uh, for me, I love when I got to be a part of it, when I found out it was going to be serialized, and that was something Dan and Alex were like, we really want this to go as one story over a, a season. We don't want to just reset at the end of every episode. Because some shows teeter around that area. You know, they'll have a storyline that kind of fills in throughout, but there's different stuff going on. We mm -hmm. wanted it to be like, if you die in episode one, you are definitely not coming back in episode two alive. You are dead. Oh, that's a shame. There's that one person I don't want to spoil. Yeah, I mean, it's everybody kind of, <laughs> Yeah, but then again, you want... Uh, to, he wasn't going to do any more television anyways. That's, that's fair. Yeah. It's been basically if you... By the time it's out, if you haven't seen the pilot, then I don't know. Where the hell are you? <laughs> Close your ears real quick. But um, Ben Stiller plays like this actor who pretends he's a drug dealer. He gets killed in the uh, end of the pilot. Uh, it was great of him to do it. He's our he's our boss. Uh, he he jumped in, did an amazing you know character, and then we we f kill him to death. We kill him as hard as we can, and uh, which is great because you know he he doesn't have time to do television. You know he could always come back. Dream sequence maybe a twin brother. Twin brother. <laughs> We've had another actor who passes away in our series. Uh, I I say pass away, but. He dies a gruesome death, and uh, I've run into him since, and he's like, yeah, I really, I really I want to come back and do some more episodes. And he had a whole scenario about how he would do it. He's like, I want to be the twin brother of the person, and I'm up in the monastery with the monks, and they come to tell me my brother's dead, and I already know. And when you, when you see the series, you and I, I'll tweet you, and I'll be like, that's the guy. Right. Uh, it's really great. I don't want you to think we kill everybody, but a lot of people die. Yeah. <laughs> That's but awesome. that's the thing, though. The reason I love... Somebody said it's the Three Stooges meets Tarantino. It was one of the reviews, and I was like, God, that's so good, because in any of the slightly negative things we've heard, it's like, it's too mean. And I'm like, well, that's the funny of it. It's, these two are... They're kind of mean. You know, they're mean to their parents. They're mean to Dell. They're mean to anyone that gets in their way. They're, they're overly confident to the point of, like, they only have one vision. Um, but in a Three Stooges kind of sense... It's it's slapstick with consequences, you know. Like, uh, I I kind of dug that. It's like a really dark version of the Three Stooges, um, and I'm such a big fan of the Three Stooges, and they were really mean to each yeah. other. So lighten up if you think it's too mean. But I, you know what? Also though, not everybody's gonna like it. I think Alex and Dan knew it would be a little polarizing, uh, and I'm good with that. I, I don't want everybody to like it because people have different comedy subjective. People right. have different tastes. We uh, B John Bass and I have. I'm a big Twitter person, and John is, and we're teaching Alex how to now. And we've made it like this grassroots thing where, you know, people will will tweet, and almost 99 percent of the tweets have been really positive. And then occasionally we'll get like a person who's like, this one kid goes like after the first episode goes, this big time in Hollywood is. F so I tweeted back. I'm like, you're damn right. It's f yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, dot, dot, dot. Wait, 
oh, that's not a good thing. Uh, okay, man. All right, man. And, like, he immediately saw this, and he was like, you could tell he was watching the episode, and he was like, hold on now, hold on. All right, yeah, this is getting, okay. And he, like, totally turned to 180, to uh, to being at the end like a giant fan, uh. so we've made a joke that we're we'll turn each fan, we'll build we'll get a fan one one fan at a time, <laughs> uh, and it's actually kind of fun because you end up talking to I mean I love interacting on Twitter with anyone anyways, but now that I have the show, it's fun to get people's reaction and immediately respond to it, and they like the fact that you reach out and you know it helps that I, you know we we're not so big yet that we have a million followers and aren't, aren't able to. Although I took over the Comedy Central uh, Twitter oh, account wow. Saturday night for the NCAA basketball, like the Kentucky-Wisconsin um, game. Mm-hmm. So I had 1.2 in my hands. And, you know, it starts. they start flying in, and most of it was about the Bieber roast. And then I'd catch an occasional basketball thing. So I had it at the point where I was like, this is what it would be like. And it was a little overwhelming, but then you know what? I got my f- groove. Yeah. I'm ready for that. I've always joked that I'm made to have a million followers. It's, uh, I can handle it. I don't have even remotely that, but I'll get it's one of our TV stars or movie stars will come in the office and they'll like retweet me or yeah. something. And it's one of those it pops. You miss things. People just You gotta I I with with great followers comes great yeah. responsibility. What's up, Spider Man? I just yeah. quoted some Marvel. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get to that, I'm all over that. I want to ask. You mentioned um, uh, uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah. But and I'm sure people ask you this all the time. But it sells. You know, people love celebrities. Yeah. You have a ton of great cameos. We have in this some thing. nice cameos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got very lucky. They wrote characters. Uh, basically, they they wrote this this the ten episodes. Them in a with at a writers room. And uh, the great thing was is. They would write things like, uh, we have a private detective. He's a grizzly, maybe a drug addict, could be a pervert. He would be like a Michael Madsen type. (laughs) And then they went to our casting directors, uh, Rachel Tenner and um, and Lauren Bass. No, not uh, not Lauren Bass. Jesus, that's John Bass. Lauren Gray. And they told them, like, and they were like, all right, well, we'll reach out to Michael Madsen. And Dan and Alex were like, Oh, oh, you can do that. You know, and I think that's a little of the Red Hour thing. And I think it's also that we had, you know, Rachel Tenner just won an Emmy last year for casting Fargo. Uh-huh. Uh, she's amazing. And Lauren Gray is also, they're both fantastic. So they kind of spread the net wide. And we're like, all right, we're going to find you interesting people, not just your regular run-of-the-mill uh, person that might fit this. Like, you want Michael Madsen type? Let's go for Michael Madsen. And then when Cuba came up, Cuba Gooden Jr., who plays himself, uh, uh, a, a crazy, uh, out of his mind version of himself, but he also plays it very grounded. He, he wasn't f-ing around. He came in and played it serious, which is you know hard to do sometimes for celebrities. They're like, I'm gonna play the goofy version of myself. No, he was like, you know, he has got a drug problem. He might, he may or may not owe a drug cartel millions of dollars. <laughs> his career may or may not be in shambles. Um, he at first said no to playing himself. I think they they pitched it to him, and they were like, here's the one thing you're going to have to play yourself for like five or six episodes. He was like, nope, pass. Like, just take a read. His sons watched it. They loved it. Um, Alex and Dan pitched him at like a hotel in Malibu and threw everything they had in the table, every bit of what would happen, and he was like, all right, I'm in. 
and uh, he is so fantastic. Um, he was one of the very first choices, and again, I think when they said Cuba Gooden Jr., Alex and Dan were like, yes, he'll never say he, <laughs> he'll do it, but yeah, that'd be great. And then when he did, it became like, all right, let's keep moving. And there's a few other people that show up. There's a secret, secret person in episode nine. Not like a giant movie star, but a TV personality person who you're like, oh, and he's so good. Um, and then, I, you know, it, it just wasn't that, though. We had a lot of actors that, um, you know, are in the Red Hour family, like Matt Besser, who's done, a, you know, he's UCB, and he's mm -hmm. done a bunch of other things. Um, he's UCB royalty, but He's royalty, he's man. And he it. is so, he, episode two, he's so funny. He, I, he broke me the entire time he shot episode two. Uh, Betsy Sodaro, who's UCB, um, Jesse Hodges, who's uh, now on a show, uh, Beck Bennett, who's mm -hmm. really good friends with Alex and Dan, or one of Alex's best friends. He's on SNL. Um, who else can I name drop out? But these are like, oh, Marcus Giamatti. Uh, uh, there's one other person I'm thinking of who was just great and came in and killed it, but I can't think who it is now oh and then we like for example there's a guy who kind of recurs throughout he's in the pilot he's the guy giving the speech at the narcotics oh anonymous his name's lee shaw he talks about how he's hooked up cracked up on meth and he ran over his his niece and then he shows up again in episode two and then he shows up again in like five and seven they kind of wanted that to be somebody of a more of a name and alex and dan knew this guy from something from lonnie and just pushed for him and he's amazing He's just brilliant. He has this weird realness to him where you really feel like he might be someone who sells math or does math or not, no offense to Lee, but so it's not like it was like, it was just finding the best people for each role. And that, I think that worked really well. I hope people, when they watch, um, appreciate each person's kind of either their guest star or their, or their storyline. Because I think Alex and Dan and the, the writers did a really good job giving everybody something meaty to do mm. uh, whether it's me or john or kathy or steven or keith david shows up or um yeah he's i mean and he plays in this fbi agent he just kills it all right you talk for a sec no. i just i'm okay. out of breath <laughs> the the other thing which you just mentioned is a which is a huge deal and i'm again sure people are always talking about it but like having when we talked about this at the, the, the screening, like having Stephen Tobolowski on it basically stamped success for this show. Yeah. I, I can't even begin to tell you how how blown away I am that I get to work with him and that I'm friends with him and he plays my dad. Like, this is a guy I've been a fan of for forever. Mm -hmm. He's been in so many movies and TV. I mean, we have a joke, a running joke on set. Uh, his IMDb credit thing is at like 234. And we sat there one day and we're like, uh, Stephen, first of all, not only is he amazing, an amazing actor, he has more stories than anyone alive. He's done in, been everything, done it, seen it, and remembers it. He does a podcast, I think it's Tobolowski file, Files. He just tells stories. And there's tons of them. And they're from sex-related drug-type <laughs> to an act, a play he did with someone to a movie he did with someone to... He just has something about everything. And he's also one of the greatest movies ever, Groundhog Day. Yep. He has great stories about Groundhog Day. Sneakers is probably up there. Sneakers, the movie? Yeah. Was he in that? Yep. Uh, he was... Is uh, that the Hackers? Yeah, with uh, Robert Redford. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
He's been in everything. Thelma and Louise, uh, oh. Beethoven Five. He tells great what? stories about Beethoven Five. The do- wait, the dog movie. Yes, what? the dog had a bigger trailer than him. There was like five dogs. Uh, <laughs> I nobody didn't know they cared went about to the five. Wow. Neither did I, but he's in it. <laughs> but the great thing about Steven is he came in, and uh, this is a guy who's been around forever. Two hundred thirty-four. Oh yeah, back to the IMDb thing. So we said, Steven, who do you think has as many IMDb credits as you? Who's one of your, uh, you know, your peers? And he's like, he named somebody, and they were, they were close. But you have to realize to get up in that area, like Samuel Jackson probably has like a hundred and something. Yeah. They're all movies. He's never done TV, so he's not even in the, he's not even in the ballpark. So then all of a sudden, my oh Jillian goes um, first name out of her mouth, Clint Howard. Oh. I'm like, no way. He's got like two twenty eight. So all of a sudden, I show up on set, and I'm like, Steve and Clint Howard is is your. F- Nemesis. <laughs> and he goes, I've actually worked with Clint. And I go, yeah, well, Clint, we can't let Clint catch up. <laughs> so then we, as time goes on, we're looking through, and then Madsen's on the show all of a sudden. Madsen's in the 220s himself. So now we have Tobolowski and Madsen both <laughs> both kicking the 230 tires on IMDb credits. Here comes Keith David. Hey, what's up, 230? So we have Madsen, Tobolowski, and David on our show. It's a combined... I can't do math. 700 and uh, close to 800 IMDb credits. Um, How many does David Keith have? David Keith? Who's David Keith? He's an actor. T- he's a pretty big character actor, too. If he, if, he, if I, the only person who has more is is the um, the crazy f- uh, machete. Danny Trejo? Trejo's up in the 360. Whoa. But he's also gone on record saying that he says yes to everything. Everything, no matter what <laughs> movie comes along. So those are the big three. We really want to get Clint Howard onto the show next season, though. Simply, if anything, to give him another credit, but also because <laughs> he gets a shout out in episode two. Him and Ron Howard, not in the most. Um, it's certainly not the nicest thing you could say about someone, but it's meant completely out of love. <laughs> um, but anyways, to- Tobolowski is is incredible. He's the sweetest guy ever, and all Alex and I do is treat him like <laughs> in the show. So therefore, uh, we love him so much more outside of it. And then Kathy as our mom, the two of them, we got so lucky. I mean, these are two like, you know, these guys have been around forever. They've done it all. They're they're trained. They're they're respected. We're just three idiots <laughs> with them. Um, and they come in and they do, you know, Alex and Dan write this stuff, and they come in and they just throw themselves into it, which, which is pretty much what everyone has done who comes in to do the show. Alex and Dan have this ability to get people to do things that maybe they wouldn't do if they, uh, if they thought more clearly, clearly about it. But, yeah, Tobolowski's great. I love that dude. If you ever get a chance to have him on, I don't know if he knows anything about comics. He could probably talk to you about something about it because he has – just a brain that is just never-ending stories and stuff. You should definitely do it. I actually, I, I, I do. Uh, I write for a comedy website, and I got to interview him one time, and it, he told me a couple stories, and I was just like, this "Yeah, is they're the best they're thing deep." Ever. Like we did a, a screening the other night, and mm-hmm. he told us one one Beethoven story, and then we had him on. We did a podcast radio thing. I won't name it because it's probably competition. It's not actually. It's uh, Comedy Central. <laughs> and he told we us love Comedy Central. He told us. Uh, 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 Groundhog Day story about the final scene. Mm-hmm. I'll just make it as quick as possible. Um, 
They had come to the final scene, and Bill Murray wouldn't shoot it. You know, it's Annie McDowell and him in bed. They spent that night together. They wake up the next day. They're no longer going to be groundhogging. Bill Murray's like, what am I wearing? Because no one had really discussed it. Because they probably had sex, so would he be wearing something that signified, you know, pajamas or shirtless? Or is he back in the same outfit? And the set was divided because Murray felt one way, Harold Ramis felt another way. They weren't getting along. Oh, I think, it was at the Murricane era. This is when it all started. Yeah. Where I think that was the last time they worked together and talked for a long time. But so they actually, Harold Ramis is like, all right, well, I'm just going to ask everybody on set regular clothes or like uh, the same clothes he's been wearing or clothes that something's different. And they were split. And in my mind, it, I'm like, it has to be the same clothes or else it's a giveaway. So they got down to like one last girl who was a, you know, 10th day on set maybe or and she goes it's got to be the same clothes as usual otherwise you give it away and Ramis was like boom done Bill Murray's like done so when they wake up the next morning and he hits the alarm clock he's in the same outfit and you think oh crap but it's not you know and so that was like a little bit of a uh Groundhog Day story a huge huge massive pinnacle point of the movie was undecided until the day of shooting, and then the, decided on probably by Mary from Wardrobe. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so that, those are the types of stories you'll get from Steven from all angles and and stuff like that. So, um, And speaking of um, Kathy, for fans who have who are just listening to this and don't know her, I was, I was racking my brain when I was watching the show. Like, I know her from something. And then it, she was the lady I had a crush on in Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, she is the one who's kind of tries to – see, I haven't seen Scissorhands in a while. She, what is she, the sexy neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. Kathy's a good-looking woman. Yeah, she keeps thinking of I mean, of she is uh, – she plays my mother, <laughs> so I have to be respectful. Uh, it, it, does, it does get brought up every now and then. She's a beautiful, uh, very attractive woman for uh, – any age, any time. Um, I don't remember the Edward Scissorhands. I can see an image of her. Maybe I don't even know if I want to look at it now because <laughs> yeah. she is my mom. Um, but yeah, she's done a ton of stuff as well. And the great thing about Kathy is, is she kind of grounds everything. She's the kind of the straight person, and because she plays it so, um, you know, not trying to get the laughs, it actually comes off very funny. Oh, yeah. You know, they could have gone with more of a comedic actress and she says this all the time where I think she did an interview we were doing something the other day and she's like I've actually been told uh, Kathy you are not funny and we were like who the f*** said that because we'll kill him because you know now we're very protective of our family and she's absolutely funny because of the fact that she can play it so dry and so straight you know she kind of wears the pants in the family Mm. we love our mom we can't stand our dad we walk all over him but we respect our mom and uh, she, I love the fact that they that that's who they cast, and then that's the way she played it because it gives it. Again, what I love the most about the show is you do feel a, a sense of realness and groundedness inside the chaos, which may, which makes it feel like a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, you know, there's been this discussion. I think the New York Times did a an article about, like, uh, plot over jokes, you know, changing television a little bit so that sometimes you let stuff play out and you let the comedy happen organically. Like uh, Last Man on Earth I've really been enjoying. Mm, yeah. And it's not as much as a rush to get to things. Mm-hmm. And shows still work that way, too. 
Um, and then it was great. They did this article. They they talked to Kent for Comedy Central, and he he brought us up as like. He was like, all right, we, we let them, you know, it wasn't joke, joke, joke. We let them kind of do some weird <laughs> and let some plot lines go out. And you see some real dramatic stuff where you kind of are just sitting there going, what the hell is going on? And they had, uh, I think it's Liz Merriweather. Does she do New Girl? If I got her name wrong, edit it, fix yeah. it, and post. <laughs> um, and she said she tried that with New Girl. She's like, I wanted the plot to be more important than the... I wanted the storyline to be more important, and it didn't. It was hard to balance. So uh, maybe that's something that is happening a little more. I mean, even a show like Breaking Bad was very funny, mm-hmm. but, but that's because it was real. I like funny from realness a lot of the time. Um, if everything's a little too joke, 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 sometimes you lose uh, you lose that feeling of reality, and it get you start to lose track of like, is anybody in this thing grounded or not, and some shows pull it off and they kill it, and other shows you. I think you need that a little bit. So, I wanted to uh, touch on too. You've been in a number of, of high-profile things. I've been uh, lucky. I've been. I've done some good stuff. Yeah. Can you tell the fans some of the things that they might um, recognize? I think the most recognizable thing I did was Nurse Jackie on Showtime. I was in little bits of season one, and then, uh, you know, I I think I did seven or eight episodes of season two and then part parts of season three and four um and that was another whole different experience where technically that's a comedy right but it's not at all it's very dark and real life makes for the funny in mm-hmm. it Edie falco is very funny in that but without trying at all you know she and it was also very cool i always say that i kind of uh, that was like school to me i went on that nurse jackie set uh with a bunch of People have been doing it for different amounts of time, all different styles. Edie Falco does it one way. Merritt Weaver does it another. Anna DeVere Smith is just this insanely talented actress who, um, you know, does Nurse Jackie. And then I go watch her do a one-woman show, and I'm like, she's playing. She did these interviews with people, and then she did a one-woman show where she recreated those interviews playing those characters. And it's staggeringly good. She does, like, a boxer. She does a, a woman who doesn't have health care. She does uh, Lance Armstrong. She does this, this, and that. And then she finished, and I was like, wow, I, I am embarrassed to say <laughs> that I am even trying to do the same craft that she is doing. That's crazy. So Nurse Jackie was, like, uh, I would just sit there, and I would soak it in. I would be like, and I learned a lot from Edie because it was her show and the way she handled herself was the way the show ran and i said to alex and dan i'm like when we have the show if it gets picked up let's just be that those type of people when people come in i want them to leave and be like that's the best show i've ever worked on those guys were fun they worked hard they let me speak an opinion they 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 were in a good mood like they we enjoy ourselves we genuinely do and it's also because we're a bit new to this, but it's but it's something you – this is our job. Like, we have the greatest job in the world, um, so why not have fun with it? Of course you're going to have bad days when you're tired and stuff. But So I learned that from Edie. You know, Edie, you watch her do Sopranos, and you're like, oh, man, she's probably she's probably real dark. And she gets into her actor's mode and probably can't talk to her. Don't look her in the eye. But it's absolutely not that at all. She's standing there chewing gum, looking at her phone, looking at her kids. Scene's about to start, throws her gum out, puts her phone in her sock, and bang. And you're like, wow. That's how she does. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, so 
I did that, and then I've done like guest stars in like CSI and Modern Family, and uh, a few. I just did Shameless a couple weeks ago. So the cool thing is, is I've gotten to work. I worked with like Ted Danson, been doing it forever. Again, another guy. You're like Tobolowski, Ted Danson, Edie, Edie Ted Danson. So Ted <laughs> Danson's a guy who did Cheers, you know, 30 years ago. And again, nicest guy, shows up on set. We were on set one day, and they were like, hey, Ted, uh, we're going to finish this one scene up, and then you can go home. And he's like, take your time. Sooner you send me home, sooner my wife's going to have to make me clean the house or something. Like, And then I did Modern Family at O'Neill. And again, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been, you know. And again, another guy, just super cool. And he, he, he works with a lot of kids in that show, and you can see him. Like sitting there with uh, Manny, the kid who plays Manny, and he's like, you can tell him he's kind of giving him some beats. Like, well, if you said it like this, he's not telling him how to do it. He's but he's saying if you do it like this, that that joke would hit. And you're like, F Al Bundy is giving out comedy timing lessons on this thing, but in such a non-egotistical way right. that you're like, God, this kid is just. And I just sat there and listened. Um. And that's when you really are lucky when you meet people who are, who will give give to you when you're on set with them. Tobolowski, Cuba, Cuba was so good with us. Just told us his stuff, you know. And he's gone through highs and lows in his career. He won an Oscar, and then he did Snow Dogs, and he, like he knows it. And um, he's just very upfront about it. He's like, "You guys got a great thing right now. I love the way your set is. I love the way you guys handle yourselves." He came and had fun with us. He's like, "Don't forget this." You guys become giant, huge celebrities. Remember this. Everybody goes through the ups and downs, but just try and be yourself. So I take that to heart, you know. I, I and I think you'll do better if you are like that. And I also think it's different now than ten years ago. I think social media has changed the way people are because everybody finds out about, about everything, you know. But I don't think you can get away with it as much. I've done jobs where you get to work with people and. Uh, you start talking about the worst, you know, what's your worst story? Who's the worst? And they'll tell you. And it's fun. I like hearing it. You know who the worst is? Alex Anfanger. What? He's the worst, man. I'm going to blow him up now. Alex is the best. He runs the show. He acts on the show. And uh, him and Dan are, like, super perfectionists, you know, with the way they write, with the way they edit. I can't even tell you the stuff that went into the post-production. Mm. Those two are crazy. The, the funny thing... Every bit of sound, music, visual, they just poked at it until it was perfect. The, the, the funny thing at the uh, AV Club thing was, like, you guys were all talking, and then for a while, it was like, I, th I believe it was Dan was just sitting in the corner. kind of. Dan's just, the quiet one. Yeah, he was, but he finally, he, when he warmed up, he started, like, uh, talking and stuff. Dan is, like, this weird genius. He sees everything. Oh, the difference is, though, see, Dan is in his environment. Like, at the AV Club, he's... He's letting us, me and Alex and John, do a lot of the gabbling. Then we went to NYU the next night, and it was students and stuff who were asking uh, about the process and how you're directing. And Dan gave so many uh, – I don't know if there's a chance to see it or it's written somewhere. But when Dan gets into his zone and comfort area, boy, he just has stuff to tell you that you should listen to because he just tells you – you know, about after getting out of school and not feeling like if he was being productive enough. And then uh, him and Alex went to Alex's parents' house, and they're like, let's write something. They wrote big time. But no one, no one was going to – they showed it to their parents, and they're like, this is great. Uh, but no one was getting to look at it. And they're like, all right, well, what do we do now? Let's do something we can make ourselves next time on Lonnie. 
And um, you learn a lot from Dan because he just directed his first television show. They put him in charge. They gave him the keys and got out of the way. And he's directing, like, Stephen Tobolowsky, Keith David, Cuba, uh, Michael Madsen, and, uh, and Ben Stiller. And uh, you would never know he wasn't just mm. 10, 15 years in the business. That's crazy. And it's, it's a little bit of his, his – he has no ego. It's a little bit of it that he is very focused and he understands what he wants. But then it's also that he's just so chill and so, like, he seems like he's always in control, even though in his mind he's like – but he also doesn't, like – he said this to Steven. Steven asked him, he goes, when you show up on set, do you have an idea of what you want to get done for the day? And he's like, no. Nah. I, I know what I want to get done, but I expect it never to happen that way, so therefore I'm ready for anything to happen. And Steven was like, Jesus. I've been working with a million directors, and you never get to hear someone say that they're going to be that free to be like, let's change the scene around. Because it happens a lot when Alex is acting and we have written stuff, we'll get, we'll start rehearsing a scene, and then all of a sudden we're like, ah, oh, that just doesn't feel right. Um, let's take five minutes and just, what do you, do you want to do it this way? You want to do it that way? And then all of a sudden we reshoot it. Oh, so we don't improv yeah. as much. We reevaluate and then shoot it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll improv a little bit. So. That, that seems to go back to what you're saying about the, you know, everybody on set seems to work together. It was a, it was really, it was like a one in, it was a one in a million like you get this this group that all kind of has the same passion like even our crew and i've said it and i'll I'll stick to it i've worked with a lot of different crews on tv shows some for one day some for months and stuff and it's nothing against them they're all i haven't had a bad experience really i haven't had a bad director i haven't had that actor who you're just like tells everyone to off i've had the director who like tries to kill people but the big time thing it's just everything came together it's the best i've ever worked with like our dp Blake um, McClure, he's just, he's brilliant, and our camera guys, he's like, the best camera guys, because they're in it with you. They're like mm-hmm. me to you right now. We're two feet away. And you know, you're like, yeah, Parker, uh, what's, what's my hair look like right now? Am I looking? <laughs> and he's like, if you stand a little bit to the left, and then, you know, you ask him about the takes, and like, that doesn't, sometimes you don't have that relationship right. with a camera guy, because they got to kind of be in their own thing, too. They got to make sure, you know, they don't f- up. But these guys are great. Hair and makeup, everybody. Everyone was just... 14, 15-hour days for two and a half months. They went hard. That's awesome. If we don't get a second season, I'll at least, knock on wood, Comedy Central hook us up. <laughs> I will know that I, I'll be like, all right, well, we did everything we could, and we had such a good time doing it. So, <laughs> This is when I get emotional. Does anyone ever cry in Marvel? Uh, I can make. Well, I want to ask you. Let's. You want to do some comic book stuff? Yeah. Well, th- that's what I want to transition to. First off, I'm very curious, and I always ask. Like, Marvel's a nerd kind of world. Are you a nerd of anything? Do you collect anything? Watch um, TV shows. It sounds like you're a movie guy. I'm but. a TV nerd. Mm-hmm. I watch everything I can get my hands okay. on. Okay. I use the excuse that it's for my job, but that is. It is though. I think actors should watch what's out there. You get an idea of what. People are doing. You'll never have a question about what type of show something is. If you do, then I talk to people and they're like, well, I can go watch it on YouTube, which you can. Um, I, it's just television has never been better. There's no, there's no platform right now better than television. I don't care what anyone says. Movies, nope. Books, nope. Uh, podcasts, nope. 
No offense. <laughs> no, we sense. have a million television shows now. You can watch it on Amazon. You can watch it on Comedy Central, Hulu, cable network, blah, blah, blah. And there's just so much that you can't even keep up with it. But I try. I keep up with it as best I can. What, so what, what, I'm curious what your favorite shows of all time and my now. favorite shows of our time are like Breaking Bad, Sopranos, The Wire, Nice, uh, West Wing, The Shield. Super underrated is The Shield. Probably the best final season or finale of a show. Maybe The Shield because it really tied it up, and you're like, "Do you see The Shield?" No, I... it's just a great finale. It's, it finishes, and you're like, "Oh." That is perfect. You know, I love the finale for Breaking Bad, but The Shield is still, to me, the one that finished night the, the, the best. Um, and then, you know, I start watching these BBC shows mm. or these, these short short run shows now, like Rectify, which is on Sundance, uh, yeah. Orphan Black. Rectify's, you're, we, well, you're my new best friend. New best friend. Rectify's Rectify is fantastic, yeah. guys. That's if you're not watching it. Yeah. Uh, I thought season one could. The Wire's my favorite show, and I was like, Rectify might be the thing that. The Wire to me up. isn't even a TV show. It's like a, it's like a live action documentary, uh, uh, Discovery Channel brutal yeah. Vice oh, yeah. episode of Vice meets CNN's Locked Up or so. Like it's it's, you know, he didn't want it to be a show. He doesn't put music in it. He doesn't like television. To when he says, you know, if you ever hear. Is it David Simon? Yeah, you know he's the wire is just it's it's its own you know thing and uh, for me for me my favorite show number one of all time is Breaking Bad mm. five seasons it stayed just long enough the greatest character and right there with Tony Soprano but you know Walter White great cast great way it was shot great writing no weak seasons like I love Sopranos the first three seasons of Sopranos are as good as anything ever made and it like be, it like Changed television. That Sopranos was on Sunday nights, and Monday was when people would be like, yeah, "Did you watch Sopranos last night? That show is that show's bonkers." But then in the middle end, it kind of lost me here and there. But I still finished it up. But I just watch, you know, like I, I you know, Sherlock. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you out. You the Americans. Sherlock, Americans the is Americans. one of my favorite show. The, these are all the recent ones you're watching. Yeah, just whatever I get out. I watch The Bachelor and The Bachelor. Well, I mix do. it up. Yeah. I still watch Survivor every season except for one. And so does John Bass on our show. John Bass and I are one of the few. Like, there's five of us that just still love Survivor that I know people of. Uh, so I actually mix in, and people are like, "Well, what do you watch reality TV for?" I'm like, "So I can take a f break. I have 900 plot things going through my head. Sometimes it's nice to watch two people go on a." date together yeah. and then lose their mind and cry on camera. I don't care what anyone says. The Bachelor is funny. Um, so yeah, I think my nerd thing is TV. Mm -hmm. uh, it's if I didn't, if I wasn't an actor, I would have a podcast where I just talked about TV. I have to be a little careful with that though. Even on Twitter, like I'll talk about TV. I don't want to go ripping a show and then <laughs> I go in for an audition and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, hey, I follow you on Twitter." So uh, big piece of horse dog. <laughs> but again, I have to respect the shows. Like when people say that they think our show sucks, doesn't happen very often. John and I, Bass and I, have gotten into this thing where, and now Bass plays Dell. If you guys see the show, he's kind of this sweet. He sees the world through different eyes than anyone on our show. He's the nicest. He doesn't have an ounce of hate in him. He'll usually say something in Twitter, like he'd be like, "Hey, sorry, you didn't like it." I'm telling you, we turn 9 out of 10 because yeah. they'll go, oh, hey, man, 
you know, it's not that I'll give it another shot. You know, it's a secret little move. Uh, and then every now, like the other day, someone's like, I haven't watched TV in a long time. I barely ever do, but I, I took a time out of my day to watch this big time. And how this is his whole tweet. Took time out of my day to watch this big time in Hollywood, Florida. And now I know why I don't watch TV. Whoa. <laughs> so I immediately respond. I'm like, wow, that took a long time to get to the end. I really <laughs> thought that was going to go a better way. Um, but I was like, hey, you know what? Thanks for watching, man. What do you, we yeah. can't please everybody. And he came back with, yeah, well, good luck with everything and blah, blah, blah. And then Bass texted me five minutes later because we're always watching Twitter right now. We're trying to build the show. We're, I, we're, I, I'd be out with pamphlets on 51st and whatever. Where, where are we? I'll take pamphlets out. After this. <laughs> and he texted me not even a minute later and goes, you didn't, you, there's one you didn't get. And I was like, you know what? I didn't want them. He doesn't even watch TV that much. Who cares? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my nerd thing is TV. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I, not a comic book guy. Boo, hiss. You suck, Lenny. Go f*** <laughs> yourself. I do love the movies, though. I've seen all the Avengers. I've seen the Captain Americas. I've seen the Spider-Mans. I've seen, and I will say this. I love the first Avengers. Thought it was great. Thought that was great that Whedon got everybody in it. But I didn't like the story. I thought it was awful. It was like people coming out of space again. I actually thought the second Captain America was the better story. That should have been an Avengers movie because they were about yeah. to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's the only part of the movie where I was like this. Hey, uh, why don't you guys, why don't you call the other guys? You're really close to losing everything, you know? Samuel Jackson's in that truck and he's just getting ripped up. He's almost dead. And I love and, and Chris Evans kills it. And I'm like this. This should have been the plot for the next one. It seems like they're going in that direction for the second Avengers. Um, but yeah, so I watch those things. What well, Iron Man? I, I'm kind of curious since you watch so much TV, and I never usually ask this, but like, have you seen Agents of Shield? Okay, so I I watched the pilot. Yeah. It, I'll be honest. It takes, it didn't hold it me. It takes like four episodes. Yeah. To really get I it. love that dude who's in it. Uh, who died? Person? Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't hold me, and I got it got lost in the shuffle. I've heard it's good. Um, I could maybe go back. I was just, the only reason I brought Do it. Do you up, watch it? Do you love it? Yeah, I like I said the first four episodes. I stopped watching it, and then I just rewatched it and got through those four, and now I love it. But the only reason I bring it up is because it has a lot to do with like it's when, mixing in now, when, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when Shield falls apart. When Captain America, there's a lot of like oh. additional stuff. So they're kind of ma- they're forcing you into that area so a little bit. Yeah, I don't think you have to, but it does help. And then they'll, you know. I have some Marvel news. Do you want some Marvel news? Yes, please. Actually, it's not going to matter because this is on a couple of weeks. I just read today on Twitter that there will be no after scene, <laughs> post credit scene in the new Avengers. Well, that's the thing, right? You really read that? I did. Oh. Is that bumming you out? Wait, he's crying. Hold on. I'm going to take over for a sec. Cause All right. <laughs> are, are those tears? What are you doing? To, why are you cutting yourself? <laughs> Where did the knife come from? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just saw a quick bit, and it said no post-credit, and I was like, that's their thing. That's weird. yeah. I'll Maybe I'm wrong. This. By the time this airs, you can call That's weird. I'm, I'm going to look into that. Oh, man. Well, did I so just blow your mind? Did um. So did you see Guardians of the Galaxy? Or is, I did see Guardians of the Galaxy. So I you, liked it. C- Cap's your favorite, is what you're saying. Is your favorite no, character? No, no, no. I, uh, 
I'm I'm a Hulk guy. Mm. They just have never made a good Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. I love Ruffalo as the Hulk. He's great in the movie, which kind of tells me maybe it's better off not just having the Hulk by himself because then it's a lot of him just breaking yeah. and not really talking. So who would be my favorite? The first Iron Man I loved. I, I wasn't as enamored with the others, but obviously Robert Downey's great. Um, who else is in that world? Um, I also love Spider-Man, but they're kind of rebooting Spider-Man now, so he can hang with the Marvel people, yeah. right? I liked, t- I liked, I liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, and now he's gone. He got one and done. He's one and done, man. You didn't like Andrew? Go ahead, say it. He's not listening. What didn't you like? Did you like him? I liked him better than Tobey Maguire. He felt more. What about Spider-Man? Youthful. The second Tobey second Tobey Maguire movie is brilliant. Yeah, but that was all the writing, though. Oh, it had humor. Classic. Yeah, I no, I'm not saying I didn't like the Tobey Maguire first and the. You second. liked him better than. I liked Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker oh. better. He felt more of a kid to me, and I I I, I definitely liked uh, Emma Stone better than Kirsten Dunst. Sorry, Kirsten, if you're listening. Did um. Did you ever watch, again, being a TV fan, like the Lou Ferrigno Hulk? Uh, at every single moment of my childhood is is the old Incredible Hulk. <laughs> uh, uh, David Banner, Bruce Bixby. Is that who played him, Bruce Bixby? Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby. Yeah. Bruce Banner, Bill Bixby, Bob Bixby, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. I watched them all. It's the only thing I can play on the piano is the end of the Hulk. No way. I can't play it. It's oh. just hitting the key, isn't it? Still, though. That's bam, bam, bam. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I can't play that. Oh. But, <laughs> That'd be a um, hit at parties. That was one of my – I watched a lot of that stuff growing up, the Hulk. And um, what, what else was back then? Maybe just the Hulk. The Hulk, yeah. I, I, was, I was a huge fan of that. That was probably one of my favorite shows ever growing mm-hmm. up. That's awesome. I want to ask uh, the last couple questions. Uh, I'm kind of curious for your. I, I sometimes ask this: your superpower. If your character on your show had a superpower, what would it be, and why? And then, if you in real life had a superpower, what oh, would it be so what why? would Ben on Big Time? If uh, oh man, I think his would be to be able to read people's minds. Why? No, no, no. Uh, maybe what? What is um? What's the power that uh, Professor Xavier has? That's that basically that, yeah. He, that would be his. I don't know why, because I can see Ben like, you know, getting pissed off at Jack and then just like moving <laughs> out of anger. But like moving, st- and he probably doesn't even use it well. He like moves salt pieces of like salt packets or sugar packets instead of the fact that he could go outside and like if a crane fell on top of somebody, he could just lift it off them. But because he's such a kind of an idiot and so selfish, he's like. Uh, I don't feel like putting the milk in my cereal. Mm. <laughs> and then for me, um, uh, I don't know. I like fly- flying. Just seems like it'll always be the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe flying. Is that just because you would like to see the world, or you like to get pl- from a place to just another be place? able to get one place to another? I guess sure. if you had any of those super strength type things. Or if you were the Flash type thing, you're going to be able to do that. So it would have to be something in that in that realm uh, of of like maybe just super strength. You're always kind of you're because if you had super strength, you just have super legs. You could ride a bike super fast, <laughs> or you know the Hulk jumps. 
So maybe I'll take that. I just want to be super strong. That way I can just jump around wherever I wanted to go. That's fair. Because who knows if I fly? I'm not great with heights. I might have the super ability to fly and then get up there and be like, oh, this was a bad idea. I am motion sick. I, I'm, I'm curious, too. Like, you know, what do they call it? They're not really flashback scenes, but you know when you're the, – sh- you're shooting the films when they think what they see. Oh, in our show. Think? We yeah. do it each, – each of our show's episodes begins with a, a cinematic type of beginning, whether it's a flashback, whether it's a dream sequence, or whether it's – if you watch the pilot, that opening scene, we shoot a scene out of a movie from, like, Miami Vice meets Heat as good as we possibly – as well as we possibly can. Speaking in Spanish, the lighting, the sound, yeah. the blood, I mean, it's f- – Fantastic. When I read that in the script and then we shot it and then I saw it, I was like, holy. And it starts off our show. Every person I've talked to is like, what the f***? I thought your guys was a comedy. I'm like, just simmer down. (laughs) And then you see what the real thing is. And what we did for that is we took a camcorder and we shot it. As bad as we could. <laughs> we looked at the camera. We screwed up, like, continuity where I'd sit in the chair that I'd be standing, and then the chair would be gone. We filled the table of stuff and then took guy. the stuff away. Uh, the gardener gets our, uh, our gardener gets taken away. Dell fills in. That was almost as fun as shooting it the good way. Um, so every episode has that beginning, and I am so excited each time for people to see them because they look so good. Yeah. Or they're episode f- four or five Episode three, which is the one you know about, is one of my favorites. Then five is so weird that it's one of my favorites. And then maybe seven, eight, or nine, they're all good. They're all good. What were you going to ask? I'm sorry. I was just curious to see if there were – I would like – this is Marvel and we're in the superhero thing – to see that as like a – oh. We've talked about – we don't have that in the show. I'm not going to ruin it. We've talked about doing two things in season two if we get a season two. Number one, we want to do a long shot like True Detective. But – Make it really good, and then of course make it really f- bad. Amazing! <laughs> Don't steal that, people. Copyright. So it. like two different long shots. Yeah. So you would see the long shot to open the the show, and like then it. our long shot. In order to do it as a long shot with like Jack Ben and Dell, <laughs> would be so f- bad. We'd be like, you could hear us talking. You'd see us <laughs> moving. Like, here, keep moving. Wait, wait, wait. Do, no, no, no. It doesn't matter as long as the camera keeps running. Right. Wait, I have to go to the bathroom. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and then you would, and then also, I think I would love to do like Jack and Ben take on superhero That'd thing. I think hilarious. that obviously would be something amazing. I think it's something maybe with a little bit better, bigger, bigger, bigger of a budget <laughs> um, we could play around with. And again, if we show the real version, we don't do that often. So we definitely have the ability to do those more often in the future. Um, that would be that would be pretty cool. I love it. Maybe we get some green fly around a little bit, and then we show you like they do do something do do uh, <laughs> where yeah. It, there's an episode where John has to like jump off a roof or something to make it look like something and breaks both his legs. But um, it's the Three Stooges, man. It's slapstick drama, mm-hmm. big time in Hollywood, Florida. Wednesdays, Comedy Central, ten thirty. Uh, last Please watch. Last question. Anything else you want to bring up to the fans? That uh, no, I'm good. Thank or? you for having no, me. This is a blast. It was a pleasure meeting you the other night. Yeah. When they they were like, "Do you want to go do the Marvel thing?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not a comic book guy, but I mean, I watch the movies. I love I love the way the world is kind of s- tilting on its axis to 
10 or 15 years ago, comic books, they're nerds, they're this and that, and now it's like Twitter, Nerdist, everything, Marvel, blah, blah, and it's like, you're either in it or you're not, man. you got to have some allegiance to something in this world because <laughs> it's it's everywhere, and it's good, and it's real, and yeah, so, and um, I hope people like the show. Follow you By the Twitter. time this airs. Oh, you can follow me at Twitter at... Lenny Jacobson, L-E-N-N-Y-J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Um, and who knows, maybe, oh, you know what I've been doing the last couple of days? Gets fans for the show, too? Periscope. Have you tried Periscope? I've yet? heard of it, yeah. One of my coworkers uses it's it. It's a live feed. Yeah. We could have Periscoped this. I probably should have done that. It's insane, and it's a little addicting because you just sit there and talk to people, and they're punching in like, "Hey, man, what's and you going see on? the like, and you have your phone uh, and hearts coming up when people the hearts, like it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then follow Big Time uh, Hollywood Florida at Big Time CC. Uh, watch the show. If we get a second season, because you guys watched, and your Marvel listeners, I will talk Dan and Alex into doing something. Marvel-esque. See, there you go. That's a promise. <laughs> they may say no, like they do to everything else I suggest, <laughs> but you never know. Well, seriously, thanks again for Thank coming you, on. And I got to tell fans who are listening to this, please watch the show. It's freaking phenomenal. And a lot thanks, of it's buddy. on YouTube, so it's not hard to Well, they're catch. they're doing a whole kind of trying to – it's on Comedy Central, and then you can do the next day on demand or at the website or the app. But some of those are like you have to know your login, mm. which nobody knows that stuff. So Hulu, Amazon, I think after the third episode, YouTube is going to put them all up oh. just, the pilot, just to, in case people haven't seen them. So that we would really love everyone to be caught up by episode five because five, the show takes a drastic turn mm -hmm. and gets darker and goes in another whole direction. Wow. Whereas, like, you know, you're like, wow, Jesus. Um, so, yeah. It's easy to find. Just Google it or follow me on Twitter because I'll certainly be telling you where to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you once again. And this then you was can a pleasure. Thank you, brother. This, this is, is Marvel. Awesome. Oh, I got to do the tagline. Do your tagline. This is Marvel, your universe.